Welcome to Out of Game Episode 18. In today's episode, Ryan looks back on BGGCon 2015. We give a mini review of code names, reveal our contest winner, and give you a chance to learn everything you ever wanted to know about our co-host, Mr. Tim Antonisi. This is your host, Ryan. Join me, Chris, and Tim as we go out of game. Welcome to episode 18 of Out of Game. This is Ryan. This is Chris. And this is Tim. And we are a podcast about board games. So, we're kind of starting, I guess, another series. So we just finished a series, All Things Positive and All Things Negative. Yeah, no, I thought that went well. Yeah, I, I enjoyed doing that. So we thought, you know, we, we probably have a lot of new listeners. In fact, we know we do <laughs> based on our download stats. So we thought you guys might want to get to know us a little more. You know who's talking into the mic. Who are these three people? Yeah, who are these weirdos that we listen to uh, every three or four weeks, depending on the schedule? So we're going to start a series starting with Tim. All things Tim That's what we're going to call this. Is that this episode? This episode is all things Tim. And, uh, I'm in the hot seat. Yeah, Tim's, Tim is on the hot seat. That's right. Uh, so we're, we're hoping, uh, we're, you know, we're going to be asking Tim a lot of questions. He's going to be answering them, hopefully, coherently. It's going to be a good time. But before we start all that... Let's jump into the spawn point. Spawn point. All right, spawn point. Chris, what's been going on with you? Well, the big news was your appearance on YouTube. Yeah. That was a big deal. You can talk about that a little bit. But also, uh, you mentioned the downloads. Yeah. You know, in the 500 range, that's not bad. Yeah. And one of them, I think you said, was 700. Yeah. A couple of them were over 700. Yeah. That's kind of big news. Yeah, that's pretty exciting, actually. Video game-wise, Fallout 4 came out recently, and uh, I was a big fan of the Fallout series. What is... I, all right, so as someone who doesn't play video games, explain what Fallout is. So Fallout, it's uh, it's by Bethesda Games, and they make a series. They have... They're the ones that made Skyrim. So oh. they have the engine of kind of an open, the open world engine where you kind of have a main mission, but you can feel free to explore and you get side quests and meet people. And it's, it's not a co-op game and it's not an online game. It's a sandbox game. So it's just you and, and the world. And obviously Skyrim was very successful. And, and Fallout, the Fallout series is a post-apocalyptic world where you're trying to survive and... In Fallout 4, the mission is you're trying to find your um, baby who was taken from you. And when you, you, the main character and his family were in these, these cryogenic pods uh, right as the bombs were going off. And then you see your baby being stolen by these thugs. It's, it's, it's kind of a long story. But anyway, the main mission is you're trying to get your son back. But there's so much that happens by the time you wake up from the cryo-freeze and see the apocalyptic world. You're out there exploring uh, you find Diamond City is the first city that you find, and they named it that because it was built in an old baseball stadium. But you don't know that. Oh, so you're, you're spoiling you're, it you're, for the you're sort listeners. Of, you're sort of yeah. Spoiler alert. Sorry. <laughs> it, it, this is just one little thing among many. But yeah, you can sort of see. I, I remember looking like this looks like kind of like a stadium, and then as I panned out, it was the fallout of a baseball stadium they, where they constructed all kinds of. So there was a city basically wow. inside. So. It, it's a great game so far. I've I've only played um, I don't know maybe eight ish hours. So Is this far. on the what are you playing? What's Xbox this? One. Okay, but it's available on the PC. It's available on uh, what's a competitor for Xbox One? PS4. Yeah, PS4. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't have a PlayStation. So. Yeah. So yeah, Fallout Four. That's that. That's a fun game. You're making me want to play this game now. 
You should try. I, I don't have time to play video games, Chris. You're too busy it's, playing board games. Stop making it sound like fun. And then Alvaron is the other news. Yeah. You know, that's I, going so I, I was going to say that myself, too. Okay, well, I'll, I'll hand well, it over. Well, no, it's time. fine. You're, you're doing so well. You're on a roll. <laughs> Alvaron is our RPG. We started a few weeks back, and um, it, we just started this thing, and weren't sure how it was going to go. It's an RPG with six players. It's a lot. And that's about my normal group size, actually. Is it really? Yeah. For me, that's like record-breaking. No yes. way. Oh, it was bigger than six. Six Delaire was? We had like seven or eight at one point. Well, that's true. I think we have six regulars here, though, but you're right. We did peak... There was, it was overwhelming. We had a big table. You know what's going to happen, though, is the more fun it is, people are going to start wanting to bring their friends and stuff. Yeah, I know. So it, it could go people real away. bigger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fun, though, having a lot of fun with that. Yeah, I would agree. That's, uh, it's kind of exciting to get back there with you behind the screens and seeing where it's going to go. So only two sessions in, but we got two more planned like here in the real near future. So yeah. Looking forward to that. Uh, I actually got an opportunity to fly uh, X-Wing T-70 from the new set. Um, from the new movies, <laughs> you're actually ships. flying in it. Yeah, well, that would be great, but yeah, no. Okay. Um, so you got an opportunity to fly that, uh, play that on the board game. It did pretty good. Thank God, my older brother is a good loser because oh, he, he gets trounced so much, and he still comes back and plays with me, which is great. So. Don't we used to trounce him in Warlight too? Yes. How yes. does that guy even like games? I don't know. No. <laughs> well, this is actually that's my younger brother for Warlight. My older brother would never do Warlight. Oh, Jim is your older brother. Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So Jim, but Magic, you know. Was Magic was one of the ones, too. I used to, you know, give him a regular uh, rubbing during Magic, too. And he, he kept coming back, which is great. This is why he's a jerk when he's a DM. I, no, it's got to be something beyond that. This is that. payback. Nah. It's just every, every <laughs> NPC is just mean ornery for some reason. Does he listen to the podcast at all? I don't even think he knows it exists. What? No. We, so, should, we should have him in someday. He'd be a good guest speaker. That'd be pretty funny. Oh, yeah. man. And then the other thing, I actually started reading The Angriest Angel. Wow, how about that? I'm on like chapter eight right now, somewhere around that area, and uh, I'm actually enjoying it. Wow. Very good writing. I actually, I, thank you. You know, I, I would not bring this up if I didn't think You're so. Being I honest? Just, I'd zip the lips and never say anything, but uh, <laughs> really, really enjoying it. Very well written. Awesome. You know, dialogue's good, so yeah, really enjoying it. So I'm looking forward to uh, getting back to it. That's my nightly read right now. Nice. When's the uh, audiobook coming out? Uh, I don't know if there will be one. Why don't you record that? Well, just you, gotta you have to, to imitate the voices. Talk to uh, Eric Summer, see what he can do. He's got the voice. Maybe yeah. he can, maybe he, he actually can works. He does recordings for Audible. That's his job. Yeah, I bet. Well, angrystangel.com. Check it out, <laughs> <laughs> Eric. You you promised me a favor at the BGGCon <laughs> show. Oh, here we go. <laughs> uh, so for me, I've got a lot of stuff. So sit oh. sit back and relax. Uh, no, I'll try to go fast. But one news item is. Did you guys see the news item about Gen Con expanding into Lucas Oil they Stadium? They needed to yeah, do that. They needed to do that. What did you guys think about well, that? Well, my first reaction was, I hope they're talking about the vendor hall. Well, the vendor hall is growing, but it's not going to be in the stadium. Uh, they're, they're moving. Tr- the main thing they're dungeon. moving is True Dungeon. But that True Dungeon was taking up space that could have been used by the vendor hall. Right. So, it, And I've already heard from other, some other podcasts and stuff that they have... Um, they have expanded the vendor hall. Does that mean they're adding more vendors or adding more space? I think they're at, well, they're adding more vendors, and I think some of the initial vendors are getting bigger booths. So I don't know if there's going to be more space. So, no, to Gen Con, we don't need more vendors. We need more space. Yeah, there's no walking room. I, we all listed that. 
yeah. is a negative about Gen Con this year. I uh, wonder if that means will True Dungeon be running more events, or are they staff limited? That's why there's so few events. I don't know. That's one of those that books. If it's you a don't buy your ticket the day event tickets come out, you will not be able to do that. Wouldn't it be yeah, cool if they took the whole field on the stadium and made it a giant True Dungeon? Oh. That would be amazing. I would I would do True Dungeon again. I have they to do that. that for sure. Yeah, I think that's a license to print money. They'll hire more people if they had to. Yeah. Yeah. They'll max out all that room. I mean, every year they increase the price, and it still sells out right away. Yeah. So they can pretty much do whatever they want. So I have an interesting item one of our listeners sent me. So Peter Fleming, one of our listeners, posted on our Facebook, and he asked if either of us have ever bothered to look up the correct pronunciation of cyclades. So, so, yes. so I responded to him and said, this is interesting. Why don't you send me a link? So this is what he sent me. This is from TripAdvisor. First of all, being the geographical guru that I am, I had no idea Cyclades was actually a place. Yes. Well, just for the listeners, he's talking about Cyclades. <laughs> <laughs> okay, go on. So this is what he said. And I'm going to do my best to pronounce this. He sent me one of those phonetic pronunciations. There's two two potential ways that are defined by TripAdvisor to pronounce this. The first one is Cycladus. <laughs> okay. The second one is Cycladus. So, so, here, so here are my thoughts on this. TripAdvisor is wrong. Yeah, I agree. I don't, I don't think anybody would pronounce <laughs> it's, it's, it either of those Does ways. anyone really say that? If I, if I said it, we played Cycladus, <laughs> no, no one had any idea what game we were talking about. No. So TripAdvisor, get it right. It's Cyclades. Cyclades, because it's a, it's a Greek island area out in the Mediterranean, right? This includes Cyclades and a few other islands well, around the Greek area. What? So it's Cyclades, right? What I believe it's Cyclades. Yeah. What? Oh, once again, Chris oh is out in English. Oh wait, no, 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 sorry, my contention. You have to help me out. Cyclades, but I'm not going there. We should start Cyclades. a poll. Cyclades. I'm going to start a poll on our, on BGG. Which is the correct pronunciation? I'll give the right one, and then I'll give Chris's and the one from TripAdvisor. <laughs> you guys can vote. <laughs> Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, anyways, thank you, Peter, for pointing out that TripAdvisor is wrong. About Cyclades. <laughs> All right. But the big news for me, by far, is BGGCon 2015. So, I went to BGGCon. My friend Clifford met me there from California. I'm just going to talk a little bit about this convention because, first of all, let me just explain what BGGCon is like. If you've ever been to Origins or Gen Con, to a lesser extent... They have that room where you pay money and you can just sit in the room and they have a game library there and you can check out games and play them. That's like a small part of Origins and Gen Con. Gen Con, the library is not so good. Origins, it's a little better. Well, BGG Con is like you take that concept and you expand it to 3,000 people and the gaming library that you use has pretty much every game that's in the Board Game Geek database. I mean, just a massive, huge room full of games. So I was worried that some of the games I wanted to play, that I would have to bring them with me. Like Risk? Like, Risk was there. It was there. See, see, good game. Of course it was. (laughs) Well, I think they had to bring it there. Uh, Probably had to wait in line to get it. Obligated. (laughs) Wait in line to throw it in the trash. So I thought I had to bring my own games with me for fear that they might not be in the library. I was completely wrong about that. I wasted space in my car that I drove all the way there uh, because they had every game that was on my list of games that I wanted to play. So this this convention, unlike Gen Con and even Origins, is really focused on just board gaming. 
they really have nothing else there. I don't even know if they have. I definitely saw no like magic, no CCGs. They might have had like a little bit of role playing if people organized events, but it's really just this giant room to play board games. Plus, the it's in a hotel, and every floor of the hotel had a had a, another conference room full of tables um, for open gaming. So there's just rooms everywhere to play games. You start out when you get to BGGCon. The, the one downside of this convention is when you get there on the first day, Chris, you, you would have wanted to stab yourself because I, <laughs> I'm i not even joking. I waited in line to get my registration for two hours. What? Two hours. Not only that, but you had to print out a, something and bring it with you. If you didn't have this piece of paper that you printed out, you couldn't check in. So it's like this, I don't know what system they're using for this. Uh, It was pretty outdated. And I don't know why this line was moving so slow. I heard there are people waiting there from the night before in line. What? Just complete insanity. But when you get to the end of this line, one benefit is you get, I actually got five free games. So they have like, they have different shelves in each, each thing of shelves has a different uh, has like five games to choose from, so they're like different tiers of shelves. So it'd be like one shelf of big box games, and then like a shelf of smaller games, and you got to choose one from each shelf. And then there's another game that everyone got, and they're pretty good games. You mean you get to keep? Yeah. Oh, they're just giving away games. Like wow. these are games from publishers that sponsored uh, BGG Con. Was that like a reward for having to wait? Well, it kind of felt like that yeah. because at least at the end of that line, it wasn't just you get your badge, but you're kind of excited because you're going to get some free games. So it didn't really make up for waiting in line for two hours. And like my buddy came later in the day at like three when there was no line, but all the good games were gone. So you want to wait in that line if you want to get the good games. If you don't care about the games, if you come at three, you didn't really miss that much of the convention because you would have just been standing in line anyways. But... You don't get the free games. Right. You don't get the good selection of free games. But once I get past that, it was a blast from start to finish. They have such great organized events there. So as someone who likes to get rid of games, they had a very well-organized virtual flea market where um, I, I went on and I sold a bunch of games online before the convention. I got buyers. And then you all show up in this room and then you just find each other and, and do the transactions. So I sold a bunch of games through that. They have an actual flea market where if you're someone like me who has acquisition disorder, you can get tons of board games from other people. And I sold some games there. I even brought like a Scrabble game that I thought there was no chance I would sell and someone bought it. So there's just like gamers that like all kinds of games there. Um, When I left, I had two games left of all the games I brought. I, I came with two giant bags of games that I either sold in the virtual flea market or wanted to sell in the regular flea market. And I sold everything but two games. So a great way to get rid of games. And if you didn't want to do either of those, they also have a very well-organized math trade, which I've explained math trades before. Mm-hmm. So just great events for, for gamers. Well, the real question is, after all of that, what is the magic number? <laughs> We're getting there. Oh, we are getting up. there. Actually, it's next. So the magic number. So I, you know how I mentioned that they gave away five games? Right. So I went into the convention at 35. And my goal was to, this was my one chance to get it down and, and fulfill uh, my New Year's resolution of getting it below 20. And that's been my goal the whole year. Okay, I've got BDG kind of at the end of the year. I, can, I may be able to do it. And I had a little glimmer of hope. 
But then they gave me five games. So I started at 35, but then after going through the two-hour line, it was at 40. Now, thanks to my friend Clifford who met me there, Clifford's sole purpose when we were there was to help me get my magic number down. Nice. He was actually more dedicated to it than I was. Yeah, you're not very wow. dedicated. I know. <laughs> he was discouraging me from buying games at the flea market. He actually got annoyed with me because I bought a game at the flea market. <laughs> I went off and I bought a game and he's like, Ugh. he throws his hands up. He's like, what are you doing? And we, as I was giving him updates like kind of throughout the week and he was getting annoyed that it wasn't getting lower than, it, than as, as low as he hoped. So it jumped up from 35 to 40. It ended at 30. So it went pretty well. We didn't get it as low as I wanted, but I would say it went pretty well. But it's already back to 34 because <laughs> I got <laughs> four new games. <laughs> and I've even played some games in between then. So now one thing, one good thing, though, is we there was a buffer that we built in because uh, Clifford helped me play some games that were there at BGGCon that I had on order. So when those games arrived, it didn't increase the number. Uh. So he helped me with that as well. But yeah. Still haven't even got it below 30. Magic number. But thanks, Clifford, by the way. I know you're listening. I appreciate your dedication to helping me, and I'm sorry I let you down. So do I. I appreciate what he did, too. I think... Uh, Otherwise, he'd be at, like, 50 right now if it wasn't for that. I think so. I think he probably saved you from a horrible fate. So something I went back and did is I went back and I counted... um, I counted if I never bought a game this year, (laughs) what would my magic number be right now? And it would be below 20. If I didn't purchase a game all year, it would be below 20. Do you have the number of games you purchased this year? No. That would be an interesting number. I'll, I'll come up with that. Is it three figures? No. No, it's Four? not even close to three. Oh, okay. No, it's probably two, though. It's okay. definitely oh, it's two definitely figures. Two. Yeah. Oh, it's definitely two. <laughs> In the high twos. So you got <laughs> halfway there to the BBG Con with just uh, handouts. Yeah. Um, because you realize your state would be like, at this point, if you didn't buy a single game all year, you'd be like... Yeah, I know. Someone on withdrawal, like yeah, I'd be know. having problems. Yeah, you wouldn't be able to stand, talk. Walk. I wouldn't be able to watch. I wouldn't be able to listen to podcasts. I wouldn't be able to watch video reviews because it would drive me crazy. Yeah, yeah, it is a problem. I I openly admit it. That's that's <laughs> and I'm okay step. with it. I'm okay with it. The first step. Yeah. Well, if you're admitting it, but you're but you're happy with it, I don't think that's a good first One step. One step at yeah. a time. <laughs> They'd be like, I'm a drug addict, but I love it. Well, usually they deny it. I'm not. I'm not a drug addict. This is. I can quit anytime I want. Anytime I, I see. want. Well, I know I'm. I'm yeah, I've we know you can't quit. I've got a problem. Yeah. Um, so I thought I'd just give you the best new game I played, and then the best magic number game I played. Okay. So the best new game I played was Time Stories. So let me explain what Time Stories is for you guys. I think the listeners might even know more than you guys do. But Time Stories. If you ever played the, the video game Mist, did you either of you guys ever yeah, play? Yeah. That? Yeah. So it's kind of like Mist, the board game, and. They created this game. It's almost like a game system they created where the base game just has like one scenario in it, but then they're releasing all these other new scenarios. So we played the base scenario. The base scenario is called Asylum. I'm not going to talk about it much because one problem with this game, and I was curious about your opinion of this. One, one, there's some controversy about time stories that the fact that it's a disposable game, which means after you've played it once, you know everything there is about the game and you can't play it again. Kind of like if you played through a video game, you would know everything in the game and it wouldn't really be fun to play it again. This game is like that. It only comes with one scenario. You play through that scenario, it's $32 for the discounted price of the board game. That's Ooh. kind of like, is Robo Rally a disposable game too? 
Uh, well, that's just because you that hate once it. and then never again. And throw it in the trash. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> Kind of like that, only much better. Uh, so I'm curious what you guys think about this idea of a game that you can only play once. I like it. I like it because it's different. I've never played it, obviously. The way you described it sounds interesting. And it's okay that you can't play it twice. There's a billion other games that you can play yeah. multiple times. You know, why not try something like this? And if it's that good and they're going to release games every few months, you know, expansions or additional stories for the for the mechanic... Have at it. I, that that sounds like a like an interesting idea. I would I would try that. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's whether that entry price is too much for the one time play mm-hmm. when you can go buy another game for forty bucks and play it multiple times. So here's what I would say about the one time play though. The experience of that one play. I mean, so I went around after at the end of BGCon. We were talking about what was the what was our best experience at the convention. And everyone said time stories. That one play to me was worth the thirty-two dollars that I that I would spend on the game. Even though I was playing their game, I'm still going to buy the game, even though I I've already played the scenario that comes with it. How many hours does the game last? It's like four hours. Oh okay. wow! So it's pretty pretty long. Yeah, it's like the the closest thing I could explain to it. It's it's almost like um, it really felt like playing an RPG but it but you play it from beginning to end and you have a complete story it's like RPG single sessions done right like if you've ever gone to a convention where you just play in one session of an RPG the story it's usually hard to have like a good story and you don't feel like you had a complete experience but this is like all jammed into this amazing experience but it's just one play but that play is so much fun that to me I would pay $30 for that experience yeah, thirty dollars for four hours still isn't bad. I mean, yeah. if you think about what you can blow thirty dollars on, going to the movies, you know, even going out to out to eat, you know, three hours of gaming, especially if you have, you know, I don't know how many players are there four, four. So even if you split it, you right. know, because obviously you could somebody's going to own own the game, but you could like rotate or something. Mm-hmm. It, I don't, I wouldn't think the cost would be an issue. It's really, is it fun? Is it is it really that fun for four hours? But yeah, I would I would try that. I think as board gamers, maybe we're a little spoiled at how much um, play we get out of a single game, because one board game gives you hours and hours of replayability. I think we're just we're so used to that that this idea is kind of weird to us. But I think it's because we're spoiled that the hobby we're in, there's you can get so much out of your dollar. Mm-hmm. I guess. Yeah, it's true. Well, plus it's good for them if they if they created a winner, which it sounds like they did based on the feedback. You know, they're just going to keep cranking out these games. You know, and there's nothing better than making a product that's disposable i mean for the vendor because right. they can just keep cranking them out and yeah. you know rolling in the dough but it's also a win-win for gamers too because if we're having fun you know that's what we're that's what we're in this for so right i mean yeah you could say that they're they're just it's like a money making machine but if people are buying it because they want to play it then who yeah. cares i yeah, mean that's, that's the point of a business yeah. exactly yeah, I know. You know, now sitting here thinking about it too, thinking back to the role playing days, and you could go and buy a module and run a module with your group of friends role playing. It's kind of a yeah. one time use with thing. that group. Yeah, I mean, you can use it again, like you said. Take it some more friends. You kind of take a back seat to watch them enjoy it, but yeah, it's kind of a similar thing. So uh, yeah, I, I might be on board. It's a good analogy, actually. I didn't think of that, but that's yeah. absolutely right. So time stories and, you know, each scenario they release is 
can be a different theme. It's not tied to a certain theme because it's just a system. So the next one uh, is a different theme. Uh, the one after that is like a fantasy theme. So yeah, I the, the only risk is can the writers keep up with the supply? Mm. Because the original case, the writing was really good. I don't know about the next one. I've heard good reviews of it, but they have to they have to continue to have good writing or it might not be as fun. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I think that's one risk that um, there is. But time stories. I know a lot of people are hemming and hawing about the price, but it was worth it. That's all. That's all I can say. Okay. Best magic number game I played. Not going to talk as long about this, but uh, I played the game Merchant of Venus. Finally, this is a game I've had for quite a while. It was a game that there was actually a big kerfuffle when it was released because two companies announced it that they're releasing a reprint of this game. This is like a game that was made originally in like the seventies or something. And at Gen Con, I think it was 2013 or something, two different companies announced they were reprinting it like within a day of each other. Rock, paper, scissors. (laughs) (laughs) And it turned into this big uh, kerfuffle. It's the best word for it. And uh, fantasy flight won that it was fantasy flight and stronghold were the two uh, companies that announced it. fantasy flight uh, ended up printing it with Stronghold as consulting on the game. But anyways, that's all said and done. I've had the game for a while. It's a pickup and deliver game based in space. And I had a, it was it was a blast. And it, this is Eric Summers' favorite game of all time. And it was kind of funny because at, while we were playing it, he actually walked over to our table and was like talking to us about it. So that was kind of cool. But Merchant of Venus, uh, that was a great game. And of all the games I played that were Magic Number related, that was the best one. Uh, You have not mentioned that one at all for our group for some reason. Yeah, nobody knows why. No, I know why. And I'll explain it right now. (laughs) I'm I'm good with pickup and delivery. I like that. Well... Well, so Chris is the common denominator here. Well, I, you, I <laughs> would agree that there might be an issue there. Yeah. So uh, when it, whenever a game's coming over to your house, Tim, I have to ask myself, would Chris want to stab himself when he's playing this game? Yes. And I wasn't sure about that one because there's kind of a long rules explanation, although the turns were pretty short. I was surprised that the turns were short. You know, we played a four-player game of this. It's worth a lot to me. Turn, yeah, the turns were turns. short, but the rules explanation was pretty long. So I don't know. Cavern along? Yeah. I mean, that was like an hour. It was at least a half hour. (sighs) Maybe that's one of those you uh, YouTube and watch a... I I have a hard time watching those. Yeah? No, yeah, yeah, Chris hates watching things on YouTube. I need to watch it in fast motion, fast speed or something. (laughs) Well, if you don't mind people talking in very high, quick voices, you could do it. That's my preference. Can you do that with YouTube? No, like but uh, you can do that with MP4s. Like, an, if you download things in MP4 format, the, I have a special player that you can speed. You should it up. design an app that plays YouTube videos in high speed. Call it the ADHD YouTube player. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's not bad. Yeah, they already have apps out there you can convert YouTube videos. There you go. So it's got to be doable. Coming soon from Out of Game. So. Uh, do you guys recall the episode about the infectious nerd pack theory? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So just to recap the theory itself, it's that when you're surrounded by nerds for a lengthy period of time, you forget how to act like a normal human being. Yes. So I had an experience of the infectious nerd pack theory. So on the last day of the convention, uh, so Rich Summer was there. If you know, don't know who Rich Summer is, he is one of the actors from the very popular series Mad Men, and he is an uh, avid board gamer. And every year he is like the guest of honor at BGG Con. So it's like this celebrity walking around BGG Con just like playing games with people. 
and he, he's not like getting mobbed by people. <laughs> it's just very, it's very interesting. And this guy, Rich Summer was the guy, uh, Chris, that we threatened to, uh, to take him out so that we could beat him in, in the podcast. Yeah. And then the next week he ended his podcast. Uh, so that's, Seriously. that's rich summer. <laughs> so I saw rich summer walking through the uh, lobby of a uh, board game geek convention. This is on the last day. This last day. So the infectious nerd pack theory is in full force. So you have no social skills. At this yeah. Point. They're completely gone. Okay. <laughs> and so I just like kind of blurred out to him as he's walking by, he's like looking at his phone. And I'm like, hey, are you going to bring back Cardboard? Because Cardboard was his uh, podcast that he did. And he, he, so he kind of like stops and looks at me. And, uh, and, uh, and he, so, he, he, you know, he answered my question. And then I'm like, so, and, and then I'm like, you know, I only know you from board games. <laughs> <laughs> this is a Hollywood actor. Oh, yeah, Hollywood actor. Man. So he kind of looks at me and he's like, oh, yeah, he kind of gives me a courtesy laugh. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I just because I listened to your podcast and uh, like uh, 2013 BGG Con, I saw you up in the front, and I had no idea who you were. <laughs> so he's losing patience at this point. And then uh, you know, we kind of stood there for a second awkwardly, and I'm like, all right, well, I'll see you later, and walked away, you know, like Dumb and Dumber style, big gulps, huh? <laughs> so as I was walking away, it, it occurred to me that I probably just insulted Rich Summer uh, when likely, I walked up to him. Yeah. yeah, more than likely. So. Uh, in typical infectious nerd pack fashion, I decided to tweet about this afterwards. So I sent him a tweet. Well, I sent a tweet and I and I added him. Did you use your personal account or the out of game? I used the account? out of game oh, one. No. <laughs> and I and I just said I think I just accidentally insulted Rich Summer and I tagged him in the in the tweet or whatever. And he responded back and said he wasn't insulted, but I'm sure he was just being nice. I'm pretty sure I, that what I said was insulting. <laughs> so Rich Summer, I didn't mean to insult you. I doubt you're listening to this, but if you are, I apologize. Uh, hopefully, the infection is gone now. <laughs> I think you made up for it. Yeah. And then uh, near on Friday, uh, BGCon, I was on the Dice Tower live show. So if you haven't seen this yet, uh, what they did is they did a live version of Board Game Breakfast, which is their weekly video series, and they they cross-posted this as the Board Game Breakfast episode and the Dice Tower episode. And they sent, a, they sent a thing out to all of the contributors to the Dice Tower saying, if you want to do a segment, it has to be a live segment, and it's going to be Board Game Breakfast. So I sent Tom a message and said, I'd like to do a segment, but I have no idea what it's going to be. Is, it, is that okay? I just want to reserve my spot. And he's like, no, you have, to, you have to tell me what it is first. <laughs> so so, I, so I, I told him that I thought of it, and I said, I'd like to read letters. So if you remember some of our past episodes... Uh, we read some letters to Tom Vassell. To try to get on the Dice Tower. Right, to try to get on the Dice Tower. So I thought maybe I'd expand that idea and read some letters to the members of the Dice Tower uh, cast. So I sent him this email, and he's like, okay, yeah, we'll put it in. Well, the day before the show, my friend Clifford's like, you should probably go make sure that you like have a spot. Because I was telling Clifford, like, I have to do this thing. I was kind of nervous about it. So I went up to talk to Tom, and Tom... <laughs> Tom's like, tell me again what your segment is. He's like, I can't remember. And I told him, and I could tell that he completely had forgotten that I that I had a, a spot. And he's like, oh yeah. And, and I explained. I'm like, I'm like, Tom, did you know that we actually have a had a segment on our show where we read you letters? And he looked at me and kind of laughed. And I could tell he hasn't heard those. I'm like, you should go back and listen to those because they're kind of funny. I'm like, I want to do that on the show. I want to read letters to each of the Dice Tower members. And and he's like, okay, I can I can fit that in. And so he put me at the very, end, very end of the show, and I was the only contributor on there 
Well, that's not true. There were a couple others, but I was one of the only ones that wasn't actually from Board Game Breakfast. Most of them were the people that are on Board Game Breakfast. So when I when I went up, no one had really had any idea who I was. And but I was like really nervous about the whole thing. But long story short was um I kind of read these sarcastic letters to um all five of the Dice Tower uh, cast members kind of poking fun at them a little bit. And it, and it went pretty well. So if you haven't seen the video, just go watch it. I posted it on Facebook. It went, you're being modest. It went yeah. more than pretty well. It, you, your feedback was that it was one of the best presentations at the breakfast. I forgot about that. So so Dan King, who's one of my favorite reviewers, I saw him in the hallway. Luckily, I didn't insult him. <laughs> uh, and, I, and I just stopped him and was like, just, you know, by the way, you're like one of my favorite reviewers. And he's like, oh, man, your segment on on the Dice Tower show was the best segment of the whole show. I was like, wow, thank you. So, Yeah, do we yeah. have that split out yet, that video I sent? Do we have that posted? Uh, we haven't posted just my my segment, no. Yeah, we should. We should do that so people could see what we're talking about. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. So go on and watch it. And as a result of that, uh, Tom asked me if I wanted to do a series on Board Game Breakfast where I read letters. So I'm going to do that. I don't have everything figured out yet logistically, um, but... Uh, yeah, look for me on Board Game Breakfast, and I'll be representing out of game. Yeah, nice. nice. Good job. Nice. So one of the weirdest things I've ever seen in my life happened at Board Game GeekCon, and that was this <laughs> battling tops thing. So I've heard of this. <laughs> this. This is one of the strangest things that I've ever witnessed in my life. What it is, is there's this dexterity game called Battling Tops, which... I don't even know how you play this because I didn't stay for the actual games. I think it's you have this top and you spin it and whoever's top is – there's like multiple people. You set your top off and if it, if you're the last top standing, you win the game. I think that's how it's played. I really have no idea. If you're, I'm probably like ticking off people who like this game right now because I have no idea how you play it. But it doesn't matter how you play Battling Tops. The point is they have this tournament, but the whole theme of the tournament is luchadors. Is that how you pronounce it? Luchadors? The Mexican wrestlers that wear the masks, they're called luchadors. Never heard of it. You guys have no idea what I'm talking no. about. I know what you're talking about. Okay. But the, the word's escaping me. Is it luchador or lucador? I think it's luchador. I don't know. They wear masks? <laughs> I'm getting blank stares. Yeah, I don't know. So they do this. They do wrestling. It's like the Mexican version of the yes. WWF. Right. Where it's all this ridiculous like drama and stuff, but they all have masks, and you don't know who they are. So they had this whole like build-up to this. Um, with these luchador outfits and stuff, it was really bizarre. And and Clifford, uh, he loves like weird stuff like this, so he was like he was like loving it, and it was pretty hilarious actually. But it was very strange. Do you have a video of it? Uh, you can, yeah. Well, I don't have it, but um, the Dice Tower posted a video of okay, it. So look it for that. It's <laughs> battling tops. Well, he he was on the the show right before you too. The they had the one wrestler guy. Yeah, that's on. what that was. Yeah, like was the, the segment right before mine. Uh, it's like the Nacho Libre. Yeah, that was a Jack luchador. Yeah. That's what that was. Okay. So just imagine, but the whole room was that, and they had different factions like the Players of Pain. And then um, there's a mystery person in a cardinal. He has a cardinal mask and a cardinal hat. So he's the cardinal cardinal. Oh. Okay. <laughs> His name's cardinal cardinal. It was wow. very weird. Battling tops, one of the weirdest things I've ever seen, yet hilarious. I don't get it. <laughs> uh, another highlight was I had the worst chicken nuggets I've ever had in my life at BGG Con. Oh. Ever, that's, remember that surprising. Remember that? <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, why? Well, why is that interesting? <laughs> because like, it made me sick. So, do you remember the scene in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation where the turkey like implodes? Yeah. That was like my chicken nuggets. 
like the chicken inside imploded and there was just like the outer hard rim of fried well, then you didn't get sick because junk. you didn't eat it well no i ate it because <laughs> it was right before the dice tower show oh. and i had to eat something because i was starving so I had, you ate the imploded I had the chicken shake. so i ate imploded chicken nuggets anything that you buy at a con is this was horribly borderline bad anyway i mean we're talking some of the worst food i've ever eaten in my life worse than eating some spoiled food that i've accidentally eaten Horrible food. Wow. I mean, bad. And that night I paid for it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so that was, and that night was the only night I played Werewolf. And I have a confession to make. I was lynched during the day. Whoa. In a game of Werewolf. over. And part of the reason I think this happened was I didn't feel good and I could not make an argument. This is my excuse. My excuse was that I, I, I really felt sick. And when they started accusing me, I almost wanted to leave. Yeah. And as soon as I got lynched, I left. And I went. I tried to go to bed, but I couldn't sleep because I felt sick. So I was up to like 4.30 oh. in the morning, and I finally went to sleep. And, and then the next day, I was like gamed out because I didn't feel good. I actually reached maximum capacity for how many games I could play. Wow. That Saturday, I like, it wasn't like I was horribly sick. I just didn't feel that great. But I could have like gone down and played games all day, and I spent until like four o'clock just laying in the hotel room, like watching TV. Wow! While games, unlimited games, are being played below me. Magic number reduction possibilities. Yeah, I just laid in the hotel room and I watched. Um, I watched like the Headless Horseman movie, the one with Johnny Depp. Oh, yeah. <laughs> movie's called. Yeah. <laughs> that was like my day on Saturday. Wow! Did Did you order chicken nuggets from the hotel? No, no. You know, part of that is your fault. I know. Because I mean, yeah. When you see food you that see looks like food that, that's, you know. Well, yeah. I agree. I it was agree. probably twelve dollars for four nuggets, but still, it was it was because I had the shakes and I was about to go on the Dice Tower show, and this was our like twenty minute window. Yeah, to eat. yeah, yeah. Should have got a shake. I should have. I forced myself to eat these, and Clifford got them too. But I don't know what his stomach's made of. But he had no problems. But wow. yeah, I was. I was. So you got lynched. Yeah. So Ryan has a streak going. Anybody who played the game Werewolf, it's. It's amazing. He's unlynchable. He's the unlynchable Ryan Graham. Yeah. Be, be in this circle. It doesn't matter how many people are trying to get a mob against him. Head to toe red. He red should be shoes, wearing red, red, pants, shirt, red shirt, red, yeah. red cap. He'll figure. He'll diffuse the argument. He'll dif- diffuse the attention. I've even worn red on purpose. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter. Just to see it's if it comes from. But no, I got lynched. So, wow. Excuses or not, the streak is over. Well, I, I would completely believe the chicken. Yeah, <laughs> just having played the game with you. All in all, BGG Con, and this is going to surprise you guys. And this is this is not a, a knock against you guys at all, but convention wise, for what they do at this convention, it's my favorite convention. So, Tim, do you realize Ryan chose <laughs> getting sick off of chicken? Yeah, over going to a convention with us. Yeah, like that he prefers I know. That. that. Yeah. It's true. Just in, kind of interesting. Yeah, you know, I think uh, next uh, game night, I'm going to cook up some chicken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, if you're listening out there, Lindy, Brett, or CW, you're some of the friends we made at BGG Con. Really had fun playing games with you guys. Uh, but BGG Con, uh, there's another one coming up our replacements. in March. <laughs> <laughs> He's replacing us. With out of game people. 2017. <laughs> um, it's a great convention if you're a board gamer. You know, if you want to experience all types of gaming, then go to Gen Con. But if you just want to play board games, BGG Con, highly, highly recommended. All right, that was a long spawn point. Oh my god, that was just a spawn point. That's forty it's, minutes of spawn. It's like, geez, <laughs> it was worth it. But it's time to move on to a mini review of Code Names. Code Names. 
All right. Code names. As you recall, we have a contest where we're giving away code names, which is the winner will be announced soon. Ooh. But first, we thought we'd give a review of this game that we're giving away because we've all played it. Uh, so let me just explain real quick what the game, how the game plays, and then we'll jump into the review. So, really, this has been called like Password on Steroids. If you ever played the game Password, yes, Password, yeah, that's a good description. So there's a grid of cards on the table. I think it's like a five by five grid of cards. Each of the cards has a word on it, and there'll be two teams, red and blue. And basically the idea is if the blue team, there'll be one person on the team that's giving clues and then everyone else on their team is, is like guessing, I guess that's the best way to explain it. So the clue givers, they have this, they can, they're sitting next to each other and they have this card in front of them that represents the grid and it's color coded. So there's 25 squares on this card and each square corresponds to one of the cards on the grid. A third of the squares are blue, a third of them are red, and a third of them are like a neutral color. And then there's one square that's black, and that's the, the assassin. assassin. And what you're trying to do is, like, if I'm the clue giver, I'm looking at this grid, and I'm trying to get my team to figure out which cards are blue, because I'm the blue team. And the way I'm doing that is I'm giving a one-word clue to them. For example, let's say... There were two. There were a card. There's one that I did. There were two cards out. One of them said fence, and one said bridge. So, my clue I gave was construction. Okay, so that's all you can say is you say one word, and then you say a number. So I, I said construction two, and what that means is that me as a clue giver, I see two cards that are both related to construction. Two cards. So now my team has to try to figure out which of these twenty five cards matches the clue construction and they're trying to get i'm trying to get them to guess the blue cards which means when i give my clue i I have to make sure my clue doesn't correspond to any red cards and definitely does not correspond to the assassin because if if any team ever guesses the assassin that team immediately loses is that a pretty good explanation yeah and then obviously if they guess the opposite color you don't lose, but you're helping the other team because right. they're uncovering more of their cards. Yeah, so as soon as a card is guessed, you have to reveal what color it is. So it's either red, blue, or neutral. Um, and you do that by putting a tile on top of it that matches the color. Yeah, and so you flip over one at a time. The, the, the players that aren't the callers, they're trying to guess the cards. They decide, cooperatively decide what is going to be their first pick. They say that that's their final answer, and then it's revealed whether that is... Right. Correct or not. And if it is, then they can continue. Yeah, they can continue guessing. So if my clue said, if I said uh, construction two, that means they get they get three guesses. They get one more than the number I said. Right. And the reason for that that we learned from playing is the two is the key because in Ryan's example of construction, fence and bridge, you know, those are those are pretty good fits. You get that ex- the extra one is kind of there in case they want to make a guess either randomly mm-hmm. or based on clues you've given in previous turns right. where they maybe guessed wrong, but now that they've guessed wrong through process of elimination, they know what they should have picked. So they're going to use that third selection. Right. And there's a lot of unspoken rules. I guess these are defined in the rule book, but like the clue giver, first of all, you're not allowed to, you have to be like as stoic as possible. So 
Chris would actually get up and walk away when he was the clue giver because we would be discussing the the words and like Chris didn't want to give anything away because it ruins the game if, if you're the clue giver and you give something away by your facial expression. So Chris would like get up and walk away, probably go take his pills or whatever. <laughs> and while we were trying to figure it out, you know, uh, so you're not allowed to do that and you're not allowed to do things like say something that rhymes with the words on there. The, the clue has to be about the meaning of the words or related to the words themselves, not the structure of the words. Right. I think that's a pretty good yeah. explanation. So, all right. So positives for this game. What would you guys, what so, are you saying? So I like the game. It's, it's a, it's good for large groups. The strength for me is that you could play with a large group. Uh, even when the other team is taking their turn, it's kind of interesting to watch and see if they're going to fail or if they're going to succeed. Well, you, you really need to pay attention, too, because what they're guessing is what you should not be guessing right. for your turn. So right. you really need to pay attention on the other person's turn. Right. And I, I've seen there was one instance where I was watching the other team guess, and I was a player on the other side. I wasn't a caller on the other side. I think it was Nathan was doing it. And I, I wrote on my phone a word and held it behind them what I thought he was going for, and he kind of nodded. You know, ultimately that's bad because <laughs> right. now now I know. But they ended up getting it later. But at the same time, it's it's interesting. It keeps you it keeps you into the game even when it's not your turn. That's a positive. It's it's a social game. I like social games. It's it's an exercise in being clever. My time that I spent as the caller was it was very challenging yeah, to come up, and very. I enjoyed that. It was even though we had successes and failures during the game, it was it was fun. It was fun to think that way. So those are probably my favorite things about the game. The biggest thing is that you can play with large groups because we struggle. Now, there's a lot of people that have written us emails about this too. They struggle, you know, what to do when the group is so large. Do you split into two groups or do you try to find one big game? This is a game it doesn't take a long time to play. It's easy to learn and you can play with a lot of people. Yeah, I think this is one of those games too that uh, you should do earlier in the evening because, I mean, it is pretty intensive as far as you have to think Especially if you're the caller. If you're the, if you're the guesser, not so much. But it, being the caller, to think of that one-word clue to match cards on the table, you got to be awake. Yeah. If you're way past ADHD medicine time, it's, it's, it's just bad. So, But I enjoyed being the caller, too, because you know, you're trying to see this stuff. And the worst thing, is, like your example, is you call it out for fence and bridge, and then your team starts talking – and they start talking about house, which you totally blanked out of your head and going, oh, crud, they're going to guess that right. and totally mess me up. And then you look on your thing and, oh, well, if they guess house, that's the other guy's card. And yeah. so it's, it's... That's why the game is good, though. It's why it's good. It's, it's very challenging. you got to be on top of your game to, to give those clues. And the other thing with this, too, it's not really a gamer's game. It's kind of universal. Anybody, it's a great it's a party game. game. It's a lightweight game. It's a party it's, game. Yeah. I don't want to say it's not the lightweight, like you describe lightweight games. It but is. It's, it's I'll, the, I'll get to that. Okay. Uh-oh, uh-oh. <laughs> it's something that you can sit down and play with people who aren't necessarily gamers, because it's, it's more of a party game, a taboo, you know, right. password kind of game like that. Um, so for me, uh, one thing I like about this game is it's, it's actually very simple to explain. You know, rules explanations are always a, a sticking point for us. Once you've played this game once, you can explain. It. I mean, I explained it for memory, and I hadn't played it for three or four weeks, and I'd only played it one time. But I still remembered how to play it. And another thing I like about it, you mentioned that it's thinky. For a party game, it's more thinky than you would expect. Yeah. Uh, and I like that. I like that it's a more thinky party game, and you have to be clever. That's what makes it a good crossover it, game. Right. Yeah. For strategic play and party play. Right. And yeah, exactly. And you know, one thing that I was worried about was because this is a word game, technically, I was worried that maybe my wife, who English is her second language, might have trouble playing this, but she played it with us 
had a blast. She wanted to be the clue giver, and she beat me in the game. Wow. So that, that completely eliminated that thought out of my head. Good job, Esther. <laughs> so so I, I liked that. The game has a ton of cards. I mean, every card in the game, I, I think there's like 250 cards, and they're double-sided. And the combinations, it, I mean, the game is infinitely replayable. There's always going to be different combinations because yeah. those grids that you're looking at with the colors are randomized. Those are double-sided. Or you can, not, they're not double-sided, and but you can put them in any orientation. Yeah, it's four different orientations for each clue-giving card. Right, and there's a whole stack of them, yeah. plus all the different words, and they could add more. It's like the opposite of Time Stories. It is. Yeah. It's the non-disposable. Yeah, and it's way cheaper than Time Stories, too. <laughs> and then the last positive I had, well, we already talked about this, is that I think this would work with pretty much any group. Like you said, it's a, it could be all gamers, or it could just be your family, or... Even I thought it would be fun sometime to play this with like younger kids mm-hmm. and have them be the clue givers. They might actually be better at it. Yeah, that would be really funny to try to figure out like what their clues were. The other interesting thing I just thought of, a positive of this game, there are people who don't like social games. We have some in our group too. This game is okay socially. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah. for even those gamers. So it's it really is a game that is is easy to like. Yeah. Uh, so let's uh let's so the negatives. The negatives. So I'll just segue on the on the issue of being social. While it is a social game, you there's a limits to it. And Ryan touched on this where I had to get up and, and leave sometimes. <laughs> it's a very limiting to only give one word. While that's a beauty of the game and it's part of the mechanic that works, it's tough to not be allowed to talk. You know, in a social it's it's a social game, you're not allowed to talk. You have one word, one number, and then you have to sit there and watch your team try to to get the answer. And it can be painful. Is it, yeah. it can, that was one of the reasons I was walking away. It was painful to watch them struggle through it, and I was afraid I would betray if, whether I, they were right or wrong, or they're getting hot or cold by the look on it. So I'm, I'm getting up, walk, yep. walk around. When they're ready, I'll come back. So uh, I think that's a negative that it's – if you like to talk like, like I do, <laughs> it, it's tough to, to zip your mouth. Um, also – while it can be a little strategic based on having to pick the word, I have a problem with the amount of skill it takes to win the game based on the results of the game that we played. There was two games that we played where the other team had no business winning the game. And again, in party games... They, so here's what happens. Here's what happens in the, in the game. In the last turn, and I think this is probably how all games work of, of this game, when you're going into the last turn... It's kind of like, I don't know what a good sports analogy is, maybe basketball where you have to shoot up a three, like at midcourt. It's like your only way to win the game. It's a very low percentage shot, but you could, you could hit it. I think it would be a Hail Mary. Be a, good a Hail Mary in football? Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. So, you know, we, had, we were up. It was, we, we were up by three, yeah. and we had, an, we had another turn. We had one left, and it was a huge lead. So what happens is the other turn, they know we're going to win because you alternate. They, yeah, when you we, there's no one. chance that we're going to lose when we only have one because I can come up with a word for that one card. And so they had three out there, and the other caller said, I don't know, blue. And then the other team just randomly guessed all the right answers. <laughs> it was not random. What, well, well, the last there, one. There, there was no association well, now, this, with this, the word. This is the last turn, so a lot of cards have been turned over already. And based off of clues that were given from your guys' team and past clues from our rounds that we didn't get. We got the two that were called out for that turn, and then we knew we had to get one more, and that was based off of previous clues. So we kind of gave it our best guess. And, yeah, I mean, we did get lucky, but... There was, it was very lucky, and, and the, if you looked at how the game rolled out, if you look at a strategic game where you're trying to win and it's skill-based... 
your team had no business winning that game. And there were two games like that. And that happens. That happens in a lot of games where, you know, just kind of fluky things happen. And I think for me, the negative of this game is you could play the game, you know, better than the other team and you could still lose the game by luck. That's with a lot of games, though, right? Yeah, but you it's a matter your... of degree. This one, this one, it, it was. It we was we pretty... just spiked the ball in your face. You're like, yeah, that's right. What do you I think know. about it? Actually, you're right. <laughs> you know, you should always have a shot to win. But I mean, come on. Yeah. It's, 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 All I know is it it's felt little... good. So basically, you're saying this is a lightweight game, so it got down. You can't. You can't go into the game thinking, "All right, I have my strategy down. I know what I'm going to do, and I'm going to win this game." Even halfway through the game dominating it and know that you're probably going to win the game when the other team could basically just start guessing. I mean, even if you don't want to admit that was random, you How? can randomly pick a card you could. and get it right and win. Yeah, you could. And or because you could of get that, a clue like balls and then snowman's on the board and you pick snowman and it's the assassin because the clue giver didn't right, think but in that case, balls. In that case, your punishment for losing is because the caller didn't put we'll two see, and two together. Maybe the caller just did really good and we just took a while to surmise what he meant on a previous clue. <laughs> so, Ultimately, <laughs> in concentration... You, you, have you ever played the card game Concentration? No. You never played that game? <laughs> so it's a standard 52 deck of cards, right? And you, you turn all the cards face down and you're trying to match you know, queens with queens, twos with twos... And so on. You've never played that game? No. Okay. Well, our listeners probably played that game. Probably not. Um, no? <laughs> you don't think? I didn't know what the shell game was either. Yeah, that's true. What? See? The shell game. Chris no, Griffin. I know what it is. I'm oh, just, okay. I can't believe that you don't know what it is. Well, I don't know. Yeah. Your generation told me. You didn't know George or uh, <laughs> Mark Hamill. You didn't know Mark yeah, Hamill yeah. was either. Well, anyway. At least I know who Mario is. In concentration, <laughs> you can randomly turn over cards to try to get a match. You know, just, oh, I have a queen. I don't know where the other queen is. I'll just flip this one. Or, oh, it's a queen. You know, that's a game you play with your kids. And it's it's fun in that instance. But that dynamic is here. You've only got five or six cards to guess. And, I don't know, there's maybe 10, 12 left. Yeah, but we're not randomly can, picking. We've eliminated several based you on can, the though. clue and previous clues. So we've eliminated some choices because of clues that are given. So yeah, now, you're talking about the press of elimination. I get that. Yeah. But it's still you could still flip one over, not being sure, and win the game. Yeah. You can't do that in Waterdeep. You know, in Waterdeep, you have to have a strategy and like have some sort of formula to win the game. In this game, you can randomly turn a card over. And so win. I would say for as far as party games go, though, I mean, most party games, there's not a ton of skill involved. And right, I would right. say this one does have, for party games, more skill than most other party games. There's a little bit of randomness like Chris is saying, or there could be, uh, there could be some luck involved. But as far as party games go, I mean, party games aren't supposed to be super strategic right. anyways. And it's thinky enough that uh, gamers would enjoy this. It's not just complete randomness like some other party games that are like, you know, mass market games or whatever. Yep. So one negative that I had is the timer. I think the timer is stupid. So this is how the timer, they, they put a little timer in there. And I understand why it's, it's the turns are taking too long. You're supposed to flip it. But what people started doing in our game was they knew that it was a high pressure situation for our team. So they would just flip the timer at the beginning of our turn. And I, and one time I got annoyed with Chris Johnson because he flipped the timer. <laughs> and I'm like, are you serious? And he flipped it back. He's like, oh, I don't want to get made fun of on the podcast. <laughs> and then here we go. Uh, so I think the timer's stupid. I think you don't need that. You can just say, all right, let's, you know, let's move it along. You don't need a timer. I don't like the idea that you could use the timer as like a weapon against the other team when they have... 
they have to get three words with one clue. So you just flip the timer to make it like higher pressure. I don't like that. It's random anyway, so. <laughs> yeah, I think if you flip the timer and it trickles all the way down and you're not ready, I, I mean, you're playing with your friends. You just say, you know, I, I need another minute. Mm-hmm. You know, if it's if it's a high pressure situation, you know, I think that would have been fine. I, I like the timer just because, you know, I want to move the game along. And but it has I, to be used in the right spirit. And, we, and, our, and we're using it correctly. It's supposed to be, okay, it's taking long, let's flip the timer. Not, your turn started, all right, I'm flipping the timer. You have right. one minute to come up with a clue and guess. Yeah. That, that didn't seem fair to me. Yeah, because it's, it's not easy. The, getting the clues is not easy for me. I like, the, but, but here, I'm just going to take the opposite side, just because I like the idea of having to come up with a word under pressure. I think that's part of the game. You know, if you think about it long enough, you're going to come up with the more thought you put into it, the better words you're going to clues you're going to be able to give. And I think you should be challenged to come up with a clue with limited time. That's part of the, you know, the the, the fun, you know, the challenge is not having the perfect word. The other side of that is, though, as a guesser, it was way more fun when the clue was covering multiple words. I actually hated it when it was one word for one clue. That's not fun at all as a guesser. The fun is when you have to figure out the two words. So I think it's worth the wait for the person to come up with a clue that covers multiple words because that makes the game more fun for the guessers, too. So the idea of the timer, it just it's like making the game less fun for no reason. I don't think you need the timer is my point. If the game's taking too long, just like every other game, you could just say something. I think that's your OCD. What? It's almost like um, a perfectionism trait, a tendency to want to have the perfect, the the best possible word to have the most, the highest number and uh, the ultimate situation. It it can be fun also coming up with a word under pressure. You know, if I I have limited time to come up with a word that's going to overlap multiple things, I kind of like, I like that challenge of having a having it be a little scrappy. I agree with you though, the ones where it's just the number 1 yeah. isn't aren't as fun. Like the best one was Leonardo DiCaprio. At least the yeah. one I remember that that was a clue. Yeah. I think it was just DiCaprio cuz you only get one word. Yeah. And the 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 clues were or the answers were all the movies or things like movies that he was in and I I saw the pattern there and I think you guys got a lot. You didn't get all of them, but you got, I think I got two maybe of the two, four. two of the four. But I, I but you didn't get assassinated. More. No, it didn't. <laughs> I definitely saw more. Yeah. Well, I, I knew exactly what you were going for when yeah. you did that. That, that like, was oh. fun. Yeah. 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 He gave like a it was five, I think was the number you yeah, gave. Yeah, it was it was the highest was one that, yeah. We, yeah. that we had. And we were thinking about that clue the whole game. Like that because that was the first clue you gave. And every every turn we went back to okay. What's still left for DiCaprio? Like, you don't know because maybe you gave other clues that overlapped, but we, we had a good feeling that there were still some out there. Yeah, Tim, did you have anything to add for negatives? No, no. I mean, for me, it's just one of those. It, it is kind of a, if you're the person calling out, it can wear on your brain trying to think of these clues. So it's not something that you can necessarily repeat as the person giving the clues. So that's when you need to be the guesser instead. So you need a break. You need a break. Yeah. You really yeah. just need a break. Okay. Overall opinions. Let's uh, let's speed it along. I like it. Fun game. Lightweight game, though. Yes. Like it. Codenames. Good. Thumbs yeah. up. So for me, Codenames is probably at this point my favorite non-social deduction party game. So in other words, everything outside of the werewolf realm party games, I think this is my favorite one. Okay, Codenames. And speaking of Codenames, it's time to announce the winner of our contest. The Codenames Contest. So we had quite a few entries this time, and I randomly determined the winner. So thank you to everyone who went out and gave us reviews. 
didn't know that there's a separate iTunes site for Canada and oh. the U.S., so I had some missing reviews, quote-unquote, that I found later because I had to go to the Canada site. Oh, iTunes Canada. Yeah, kind of weird. But I found all of them at all the entries. I randomly determined the winner. And the winner is... And the winner of Codenames in the Codenames giveaway is... Joshua Keimer! Joshua Keimer, congratulations. Congratulations, Joshua. Thank you for your review. You will be getting a copy of Shrinkwrapped Codenames shipped to you directly. Compliments of Out of Game. You're listening to Out of Game, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. Find this and other great podcasts at Dicetowernetwork.com. So, you know, Joshua asked a question. Actually, two questions that we should just rip through real quick. Let's do that. And here they are. His first question was, what are your top three favorite gaming mechanics in a board game? So for me, that would be worker placement. I like bidding. Bidding. Okay. And social. I like games with a social element. Okay. And obviously bidding isn't in a lot of games, but it's in Cyclades. (laughs) It's also in Power Grid and some of those other ones. But uh, worker placement... Also, obviously, that's heavily used. So those would be my three. I thought randomness would be definitely be one of yours. I thought that would be yours. No, no, no. So mine, <laughs> mine are, uh, we got some crossover. Uh, number one for me would be a worker placement. I enjoy all games with that. Draft, I do Which like, is very similar to worker placement. Which is very similar to worker placement. Third one, secret missions. Ooh, good call. Yes. So this kind of goes to the Dead of Winter and Lords of Waterdeep, where you do kind of have a little secret thing that you're doing in addition to the main game. I like it. Good call. All right. My three are card drafting. I love card drafting. Tableau building. Oh. So uh, I don't, I've mentioned this before. The problem I always have with magic is you have this deck, but then you can never get out all the cards you want for like your combo to work. Tableau building, you get it out. It's out there the whole game. I love that. And uh, worker placement, number one. Nice. My favorite wow. really? mechanic. So all three of us had worker, worker placement. placement. Yeah. Drafting. Draft. I didn't have drafting, Close. but I do like drafting. Yeah. But the secret mission one I didn't think of. That's I pretty good. I didn't think good. of that either, yeah. That is something I really like. I too. wouldn't change my list, though. Yeah. I like bidding. You guys didn't pick bidding. Bidding is fun for me because it gives you a semblance of control over what, where you are, what state you are in the game. If you need to really double down because you need a move at that point. But then Work doesn't somebody just is, randomly bid higher than you? No, it's skill because you're you're saving up your money. <laughs> you're, <laughs> we need to do the randomest uh, episode. That's what we yeah, need we'll, to do. We'll, we'll dissect that. Yeah, that'll be like five and a half hours. So, Chris, I think I've mentioned I this before, but Chris is probably the only person in the world that thinks Kalis is random. It has. It's, I don't think that it's <laughs> random. It has. A, it has a heavy random. You heard it here, it folks. Has, okay. So there is a random element to some of the mechanic in that game. Yes. We can, we can talk about that. Yes. I think we talked about this in the Kalis yeah. review, actually. Yeah, we did. But it is a very interesting theory that Chris has about randomness. Actually, oh, sorry. You know, are we going to review Waterdeep in uh, a future episode? Next episode. Okay. We'll talk about this. In, okay. To be continued on the Waterdeep dun, comments. Dun, dun. And all right. Second question. And then we jump into all things Tim. Question is, if you had $10,000 to create your own board game, what theme would you use? I would like to, this is kind of a lame <laughs> answer. Maybe something hasn't been done yet. It seems like so many themes have been done. I don't, I don't even know what a good example of a game that wouldn't, hasn't been done yet, but something weird and different, like, um, I don't know, like the U.S. presidents on 
a moon of Jupiter. <laughs> okay. You know, like Abraham Lincoln goes to Europa. They do have one where like Abraham that. Lincoln fights vampires. I know. I saw that movie. There's like a game about that too. Yeah, that was it was kind of a dumb movie, but <laughs> but yeah, um, I don't know. I, if you had to hold hold me to the fire, I would say like a pirate theme. I like. Mm. I, I don't think there's a really killer pirate game. We've played a few. They're okay. They're they're not horrible. But I would probably try to perfect like a really good, you know, like a, one of those games you really want to play every every uh, game night. Yeah. So it had to be. Less than an hour and a half with a five-minute rules explanation, quick turns, and no luck, and not lightweight. It would have, it would have bidding, it would have worker placement, <laughs> and a social element. All right. Interesting. Think Cyclades, but pirate version. <laughs> 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 All right. Oh, Tim, man. how about you? I was thinking, like, maybe, like, Hello Kitty or My Little Pony. Oh. No, 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 I'm just kidding. Oh. No, no, I... I uh, <laughs> Egyptian. I don't know. I really like the whole Egyptian landscape. So okay, I'd kind of you know for me like Ra is like a little. I don't. Know, I, I enjoy it, but it's not. Oh, you've played Ra. Yeah, I played Ra. Okay, yes. but just something that's more into the Egyptian theme, more of a kind of like a merchants and marauders type thing, but Egyptian style or something maybe. Mm. We still have to play Kemet. That's an Egyptian yes, theme. Yes, yes. Gotta have Anubis. You gotta have Ra. You gotta have pyramids. Something like that. That it has cool. all those things. That'd be cool. They even have giant four sided die that are pyramids. They actually are, represent pyramids. Interesting. Nice. Have to try it. It's in my top ten. Uh, for me, I would pick the Goonies. The Goonies. What's the real answer? Really? The Goonies. The Goonies is one of the best movies ever made, oh and I would love to have a Goonies-themed board games. Yeah, on a, a side board note, game. I remember we got to meet. Uh, remember we met Sean Austin after yes, Lord of the Rings yes. was out, and you talked to him about the Goonies. Yes, I did. You asked him if there's going to be a, like a sequel. Yeah, like, that'd yeah. be awesome. <laughs> like they grew up or something, and, they, and their kids were the new Goonies. You didn't talk to him about Lord of the Rings. Just <laughs> yeah, the no, yeah, Goonies that's sequel. the Goonies thing. Yeah, some well, that's also because you know I paid to get one autograph instead of going up to the long line and getting as many as I wanted to for free. You can't tell me Goonies isn't a great theme. Goonies, you know, it's a good movie. I enjoyed it, but a theme. I don't know if I would build a game around. Was it the Pinchers of no Palp or whatever? uh, So here's the problem. It would I think it would have to be a cooperative game. But well, already it's out of your wheelhouse. I know, but the theme is so good. You're these kids going on an adventure, and there's pirates in it. So there's you're getting your pirate thing. You're you're trying to trying to save the Goondocks. (laughs) Who wouldn't want to do that? Gosh. I think the listeners want to want to see a Goonies board game. One-eyed Willie, Chunk, yeah, Sloth. Can stuff you splice there. in the sound of crickets after the segment? <laughs> yeah, I'm already going to do that after the My Little Pony answer. <laughs> if you're out there right now, I need some backup here. Go who, out to who wants Guild. to see the Goonies game? Yeah, Goonies let Ryan know. Game. Goonies, one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> wow, I'm kind of I'm kind of in shock from that, but. <laughs> All right, I think it's time to move on to Table Talk. Table Talk. In this Table Talk, which has been called All Things Tim, Chris and I have prepared questions for Tim. He has no idea we're going to ask him. And we're just going to kind of rapid fire it here and let Tim answer so you can get to know Tim like we know him. And maybe we're going to get to know some things. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for the audience, it's it's good to get to know us like this. And for anybody who doesn't know Tim, Tim's main thing is he wins a lot. That's kind of how he's known. You know, he doesn't win 90% of the time, but if you have six people, he should win one-sixth of the time. He wins, <laughs> like, maybe half the time. It doesn't matter so if his it's... percentage is unusually high. It doesn't matter if it's strategic, if it's lucky. It doesn't usually matter. Doesn't Although matter. the werewolf, he struggles a little bit with that, but... He's, it's because I'm always the werewolf. Yeah. 
But when it comes to a strategy game that we've never played before and we're all new, it's very likely Tim's going to win that game. I would say introductory games, I win... 95 percent of them yeah. probably and and that's not this is not luck he's like the this master is, of the learning game yeah so. he he picks it up for whatever reason he picks it up really easily so can i you mind if yeah, I you start. Go ahead. so what game not individual game instance but what game do you enjoy winning the most do just I like enjoy winning the most yeah like of all the games we play you know you win a lot of them <laughs> which type what's one of the games that you enjoy winning the most are the like the the real strategic ones so like winning a lords of water deep or a Kalos or something like that that it's not just guessing this or moving pieces around stuff like that more where you've got a planned strategy and it executes perfectly and and you take the win okay next question what is a general strategy tip that can be used no matter what game you play. General strategy. That's a so, tough. That, I don't even so know if there a, is an answer. So to that. when you when you're that's a tough one. What I'm thinking is like you know you're approaching a new game. There has to be like some general things that you have in your mind that you always do. So what's like a general thing that you that I, you would advice you okay. would give? I, I guess seeing the new game and stuff, I kind of pick a strategy that I think is going to work, and then I try to stick to it. I don't try to like adjust mid-game going oh this isn't really working let me try changing to something else <laughs> that's because so your strategy is usually right <laughs> I, 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 yeah so i mean i try to commit to a strategy and usually in the long run it'll it'll, it'll kind of pay off so this just brings me to why i lose a lot because i'm i'm always just switching it up yeah gotta commit gotta commit i'm gonna i'm gonna beat you next time <laughs> all right chris you're up when you go into a game do you assume you're going to win no like, do, do you think you have a you have the majority <laughs> chance i like, did you realize I like my that? odds I definitely like my odds because those are the games that I truly enjoy, so I do get into those a lot more. But a lot of it comes down to the gameplay and stuff like that. And that's when a game that I played more than once and I know other strategies that work, that if you know the, the research cards aren't coming up correctly or I'm not getting wizards, I'll change my strategy and go for something else that I know that works. So hmm. I do like my but, odds. But, but you like your odds. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, that last water <laughs> deeps, I was literally one card. If someone hadn't stole one of my... Warriors, I, I would have won that game. Oh. It literally came down to that. So, Tim, be prepared Uh-oh. for a depressing question. Oh, no. If you had to choose between Magic the Gathering, role-playing, miniatures, or board games Ooh. to play for the rest of your life to the exclusivity of all other types of games, what would you choose? It's actually not even challenging. Oh. Role-playing. Role-playing? Role-playing. No I question. Just, no question. No um, X-Wing? Nope, no X-wing. No Kalos. I can, I can I can play Star Wars in role playing. You know I you can can't play. win the first game of a role playing game, right? I know that's uh, that's not Although, the fun of role playing though. You know what's what's interesting about Tim in role playing? And this is kind of related. I don't know that his characters die <laughs> in my I campaigns. Do, do, no, because he has iron arm all the time. He, he but he he has a way of playing it safe at the right time, building up the proper set of skills, and not putting himself in risky situations. Maybe a different story for Jim's campaigns, but I've noticed You're in mine. You're always danger there. <laughs> right, but in mine, you know, like, I think, Ryan, I think your character died twice in Draw. At least More once. More than that. Yeah. yeah. Well, anyway, I remember I, t- I took on three cycle. guys all by myself that one time. Do you have Iron Arm? Does, does your new character have Iron Arm? Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what game is the hardest for you to win? Wait, it's kind of a two-part question. Like, do you have a nemesis in any particular game? <laughs> like a, a person that you, you, you kind of single out? This is the guy I have to... 
worry about. And, you know, just as a sidebar to that, what game is most challenging? Any game where it's the, you're a Cylon, you're not a Cylon, because you always accuse me of being everything. He's looking at Chris. So it's, uh, <laughs> yes, I'm looking at Chris. <laughs> He's right. Um, so it's, those are very difficult for me to win because I get this big X on my chest, whether I am or not the <laughs> Cylon, werewolf, uh, bad knight, traitor. You know, so the whatever, identity so. games are traitor The identity games. games, yeah, those are the hardest. So what about the nemesis question? Like, let's say we're sitting down to play a game of Kalos. Kalos is a good hardcore game. Who do you look at as, like, going to be the problem? Dave. The Kingmaker, because oh, he'll he'll his he like just comes card. off with Alf. Yeah, he's a he's wild, a wild card. card. Yeah, you don't know. It's it's kind of like when you sit down and you've got <laughs> he's right like yeah. the twelve or fourteen year old. You have no clue what they're going to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's just you know it's totally slammed Dave. Yeah. Awesome. Well, a good example is Alien Frontiers. Dave will randomly go yes. after people hard yes. without cause, yeah. and it. it Derails. It, 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 it's a total wrench in the uh, the works. Yeah. Okay. This is not game related, or maybe it is. If you could have one superpower, what would it be and why? Jumper. Like a jumper? A jumper. You guys seen the movie Jumper? Yeah, I don't remember what they do. They teleport? They basically teleport. Yeah, it's oh, like teleportation. Teleport. So anywhere that they've been, they can just close their eyes, imagine that place, and jump to it. That's pretty cool. So that's a good answer. Yeah, I expected that. But then, if like if you want to go on vacation to Europe, you've never been there. You have to. I've been there the first time. First you had time, to do well, it the first time you got to fly there. So you got that seven-hour flight. You get over there, but then you just jump home. <laughs> it's a one-way ticket, and then you can jump back. Yeah. You know what's interesting? And as a side note, you're talking about Fallout. That's how Fallout works. When you travel to an area, you can fast travel there once you've been there. Really? So yeah. it's kind See, of. I think you would like that. I game. like it. Yeah, I like yeah. it. That's a pretty cool ability. Yeah. Do you ever find skills that other people have that you wish you had, or do you feel you're the best you can be? <laughs> Not that, that that's could that's possible. You should see him play. No, I mean, going outside, writing, I don't think I'm a really good writer. I always thought that would be fun, but I, actually, I find the whole writing process horrible. So I'm actually, that's one reason I'm actually impressed with your book, is I, I could oh. never do that. Game skill-wise, I mean, you know, it's, I think we're all kind of, fairly evenly based with a lot of that stuff obviously you're, you're a lot better with the social stuff Brian's good with bringing the games yeah I was going to say he's going to struggle with this he's <laughs> good at buying them I thought I was going to edit really out a, a giant the pause there for a minute yeah, he's good at supplying the games on uh, Wednesdays so <laughs> okay good answer what is your most memorable gaming moment of all time? Ooh, nice. Most memorable of all Could be time. Any game, any, you know, any. Now, are we talking board game? No, any talking, type of game. Oh, so this, gaming I mean, moment. It's got to go to some role playing stuff. Um, after Phelan, Jim's character. Okay, so, so this, set the scene for our all listeners. All right, so this whole campaign is about these gods reawakening, and this one really bad god is reawakening. So we're going through all this stuff and get to the final culmination where this guy is kind of awoken, and now we need to take him down. So we get into this epic battle with this demigod, basically, and we're getting pummeled and pummeled. And Jim, my brother, who's playing a character called Phelan Blue, he's kind of an assassin kind of guy, taking him on and gets a lucky roll, gets a critical success, stabs the god in the eye, and kills him, and like, epic we win we took this guy down and then now we are tasked with picking a new god <laughs> and our our friend chris J. there's this really really annoying priest guy named Fichi that was basically think of jar jar binks <laughs> through the whole adventure 
And then there was this little innocent pure boy, which was the obvious choice. And he picks Fichi to become a god. Because he had an intelligence of like five. Yeah, he, and he, yeah, and he loved he had Fichi the, for some reason. Yes, he had this worship of Fichi. He was a Fichi bodyguard to start. That's how we introduced. So, <laughs> totally classic. This great culmination. We get to pick a god and then we get Jar Jar Binks basically elected yes, as the new god. Pretty much. What yeah. was great about that was he didn't take any time at all to think yeah, about it. Yeah, there was the like answer. no thought. It was like immediate. He's like, oh, that's easy. I'd Fichi. Fichi. <laughs> it's like, we were so no dumb. <laughs> Like what did he poor. say? Fichi? Uh, it was kind of like Luke on the thing. Going, no! Yeah, exactly. That was pretty good. Next question. Why is it you think you're better than everybody else at, <laughs> at winning in board games? I mean, what is the skill that you possess that allows you to see the matrix when you're looking at the game versus the rest of us who are, you know, we're bumbling around? I th- like, what, what, what is that missing thing? I, I, th- I think I pick up on things really quickly. So I can be explain something, and then I can kind of start thinking around it pretty quickly. It's kind of like like when we go to Gen Con and you couldn't find the convention center from a block away, whereas I'll remember where a restaurant was That's nine right. blocks away you that we went to, to three years ago. Yeah. I, yeah, I kind of have the interesting. I, I've got a good memory for that kind of stuff, and it's just kind of I guess the games that I grew up playing with a lot of the strategy games, and uh, I used to play chess a decent amount. So I guess it kind of uh, it has built in. I've heard this before in. about chess. And my friend James, he told me when he starts playing chess a lot, like really getting into it, it like unlocks parts of your brain you didn't know worked that way. I used yeah. to play chess all the time. That never happened to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think it's something you guys have in your brain already. I know, you know, and I never, I was never in the chess club or anything like that, but I had a buddy who was really into it and we'd sit down and play. And surprisingly enough, my younger brother, Chris, is actually really good at chess too yeah so um why is that surprising does he have a <laughs> reputation <laughs> yeah it's just yeah he usually doesn't do well in strategy games or anything like that so mm. the fact that he plays chess well is kind of an oxymoron almost <laughs> cool. i wonder if like like you know when you like you sit down with your kids to play like a kids game and like you, you teach them the rules and you know how to win but your, ki- your your kids are too small and they don't know that's like how tim feels when he plays games with us <laughs> We like bust out the game and we're like struggling to figure it out and he just like understands it completely and knows how to beat us right away. Is that fun for you? I, I like trying to see if I can win those first games for sure. Okay. Kind of keep that record streak going. All right. Um, so what is something that every gamer in the world doesn't realize that they need? Something that every gamer doesn't realize that they need? Like what do you mean as an example? So, so like you know how like when TiVo came out? And no one realized that they needed TiVo until they got a TiVo, and then you can't live without it. So I'm kind of thinking like that. What's something that every gamer doesn't realize that they need? You need a little miniature refrigerator down in the game area. I got a little vending machine that I had from a little vending business I had, and it's got a little three-selection slota thing. Fill that up, and it's right there in the game area. People just go... It's a beautiful turn, thing. Turn the thing, get a soda. And it's cool because it's because it's a vending machine. Yes. I actually would argue that that's better than just a mini fridge. It is because oh, yeah. the freshest stuff is always getting put in, so you're not stuff not getting jammed into the back, and then you go, oh, hey, this expired uh, two years ago. Plus, when I'm sitting across the room and I hear the soda tumble down, it makes me want one. Yeah, yeah. It's like the like when the when the doorbell used to ring for pizza. Yep. Yeah, you start salivating. You <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like one of Pepsi all of a sudden. Next question. If you could have a cameo in either Star Wars, the new Star Wars, or Lord of the Rings, which would it be and why? I would have to go with Star Wars. And why? I've been uh, a Star Wars geek since the first Star Wars came out 
back in 77 and everything Star Wars. You know, I, I was one of those guys that could tell you all kinds of things about characters you never knew about. All the guys in the cantina, I knew all their names, did all this, and then the f- next three movies came out and I kind of <laughs> lost interest. But now this new one it's looks really good again, so I'm back in. I'm yeah. back in. We're actually doing, with my, my gaming group, we are doing a Star Wars campaign. So playing GURPS using Who's that running system... That? That would be Jim. Was so, that the thing you invited out. us to on Google? Yeah, and I, that I think you accidentally invited it's, everyone. It's, yeah, I was trying to send it to Chris, and I sent it to everybody. I'm going to kill you, get, kick you guys out, so don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah, I was reading. Um, what? Yeah, so like, what is <laughs> I just thought I was dumb, and I didn't yeah, know. No, 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 no. So. Okay. Describe the perfect gaming environment, including the room, table, players, game, atmosphere, and anything else relevant. It's going to involve Kieran Knightley. <laughs> <laughs> We'll, we'll, we'll leave the gorgeous women out of it. So, I, you know, I think my basement gets pretty close. Got to finish some of those walls and the ceiling and stuff. I'd love to have a nice geek chic kind of gaming table. Yep. Something that people can get around and then have the multiple places to be able to do it. I got the fireplace down there. I mean, I, I'm liking my space. It's just got to get finished. So, you know, the light, there's good lighting. If you want it to be lower light, we can turn off some lights. You can turn the other lights on. So I'm liking uh, where I'm at down there. There's something missing down there. I think that's what well, Chris is uh, Well, there is the restroom, which yeah, is uh, yeah, which is <laughs> under construction. Um, so under construction. <laughs> more Maybe there's a hole other. in the ground. Yes, that's, yes, that's a- <laughs> yes, yes. That's that's about what it is right now. So, okay. What about the the players? The players. I a good balance is definitely key. Got to have people that are interested in. A lot of different things. I think that's where our group's maybe a little... Um, disjointed? Disjo- yeah, we don't yeah. have a lot of different skill sets that people want to play. we got a very consistent set of games that we want to play. Like, you know, you know, X-Wing is definitely something that we wouldn't play with our group. Uh, Imperial Assault, I doubt we'd play with our group. Um, so those are two big, huge locking things. I would still love to do a Twilight Imperium, which our buddy Ed has always wanted to do, and... It's it's that long game time that kills it, and sometimes I really enjoy those long games. That would have to be a like Saturday, scheduled Saturday. That'd have to be one of those where you play it on the game table, and then you cover it up and you finish it the next time. So you mentioned RPGs as yeah. being your favorite game type. What is your favorite character you've ever had? Favorite character? I'd have to be Kragar. Really? Yes. Uh, this goes that was your back. Warlight name. Yes, yeah. it was. So that was based yes, off of your was. favorite so character. This, this guy is actually based off of a character from a book. He's kind of a um, a guy that's not noticeable. So, like, you'll be having a conversation, and all of a sudden, this guy peers over your shoulder. <laughs> and very competent. He's kind of like an assassin kind of guy. So I had a D&D character. He's in D&D. It's actually GURPS, but it was a fantasy character. And uh, I gave him a knack of invisibility. So it wasn't he wasn't casting a spell. It was, like, his just innate ability. So Broken. he could go invisible, walk into a room, and all of a sudden appear. And he was good with a bow and... I really had a lot of fun with the guy because he was like he was the thief assassin kind. Nice. He also did a lot of photo bombs. So this is a two part question. Two part. The second part depends on the first part. Okay. The first part of the question is, what's the fastest you've ever run a mile? Fastest I've ever run a mile. Oh my god! I don't even know if I know. Don't you? Didn't you have to do that in PE class when you were a kid? Yeah, that was. What was your What was your average time? time ago. You don't remember? I, I have to know the answer. What's 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 like a normal is like a seven minute mile the normal? No, seven minutes like the kids who were good and athletic. The normal is probably like nine or ten minutes. I know it wasn't that long. I was definitely more towards the seven okay. minutes. So seven minutes? Yeah, probably pretty close. Six something maybe. Okay. Part two. If you were forced to run a five minute mile, okay. 
To avoid losing the ability to play a game for the rest of your life, which game would be worth the training and effort to do so? Ooh. So the the idea is you would never get to play this game for the rest of your life unless you train That's yourself right. to run a five minute mile. Yeah, X Wing. I'd, I'd hate to not be able to play that. I, I truly enjoy that game. Okay, I got to play this game. You like it so you you like it so it's, much. It's, it's a strategy thing, though. I see. I don't know if that's that's your no, cup I like, of tea. I think I would like it honestly because uh, my other friend Aaron, who's in my other game group, really it's like one of his favorite games. Too. Oh, okay. So okay. I suspect that I'm probably going to like this game. I like tactical games. Okay. It's, it's a very tactical game, and I think that's why I destroy my brother so often is it's tactical. He ends up losing his games because he he's doing really well, and then he takes that one turn and overthinks it and then gets no actions, totally screws himself up, mm-hmm. and then I'm able to turn the tables and, and you know okay. devastate him. I'm out of questions. So, so am I. Wow, I, I made it. We, we know everything we need to know. Yeah. Wow. I almost feel like I have a better chance at winning next time now that I've tapped his brain. Yeah, not me. You know? <laughs> <laughs> well, Tim, thanks for uh, thanks for sitting in the hot seat. Yeah, no problem. Hope you listeners out there got a good idea of Tim now. Uh, we know he's uh, the newest member of the podcast. I think they learned as much about him from the questions as the answers, too. <laughs> Just the why would we ask those types of True. things tells us about it. Yeah, there was, there was a, a theme through our questions. Yeah, for yes, the most there was. Part. Trying to get all my secrets. Yep. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Well, I think that wraps up episode 19, a quite lengthy Whoa, uh, be 18, 18. Sir. episode 18, a quite lengthy episode. It, it was so it. long it took us into 19. That's <laughs> right, how long it was. So. We hope you guys liked it. Make sure uh, if you want to find us, go out to idagamepodcast.com. You can also find us on BGG Guild 1990. You can get there from our webpage. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Stitcher at OOG Podcast. And you can email us at outofgamepodcast at gmail.com. Voicemail. We've only had one voicemail ever from the prophet, Kenneth Spawn. Nobody sent in a voicemail for the contest. So if you're not in the car right now, just put our phone number in your speed dial. (laughs) The next time you're listening and you're in the car, you can just speed dial us and leave us a voicemail. That's my suggestion. And for more great podcasts of the Dice Tower Network, go to dicetowernetwork.com. Good night, everyone. Good night. Good night. Good night.